This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mr. Grant, so the uh, long close season finally, finally starts to wane away and we've got fixtures coming up, but what's, what's the summer been like for you, mate? The summer, well, the summer's ongoing for myself because I've actually, unfortunately, not able to join you lot in the pub, join your beers, but drinking your beers because I'm uh, thousands of miles away on the other side of the ocean. I'm actually stateside. Uh, 98 degrees in Florida at the moment now, having a, a good time. You know, I actually did a mad thing. I said I was going to have a football-free holiday, and within 24 hours of being here, I saw that Jamaica got to the Gold Cup final against Mexico, and I asked my wife if I can travel 1,300 miles with her and the kids in the car up to Philadelphia to watch the final, and then back again. So I've seen all sorts of backwaters of America, Charlotte, Danville, Washington. You know, it's been uh, quite interesting, actually. So uh, yeah, it's been all right, and uh, it's probably you've been, feeding, you've been feeding that addiction stateside. Oh, it's been it's been it's been unbelievable, you know, and it was it's quite mad. It's sort of quite World Cupish as well, the Gold Cup. So there was about three million Mexicans and about about two hundred Jamaicans there, but uh, we had a good time. Um, and I'm now back in Florida. It's, it's lucky that actually the nearest team to where I'm staying at the moment now, which is the new Orlando expansion team, their fixtures actually don't fit in with what I'm doing over the next few weeks, which I think is probably quite quite lucky for me. Oh, it sounds like it's a bit fortunate, mate. I don't think you uh, you should be going to see any other football apart from Brentford this time of year. No, not at all. But to talk about football, I did actually catch up with, and hopefully we'll talk to him a little bit later, which is Martin Ling, which is the old Orient manager and Orient player. And I was chatting to him yesterday. I'm going to hopefully interview him later on. And he's got this really strange job. He's he's got he's basically part of the whole Tottenham setup who've come to America and they're going around and they're trying to globalise Tottenham. They're they're trying to do basically Tottenhamisation, which is the, <laughs> which is like I mean, don't tell Banana about this; he'll go absolutely mental. But it's like Fulham Fulhamisation. 
but in a Tottenham way. And they come to America and they sort of say, Tottenham are the best. You must come and look at us. And they get all the kids and they do all these training camps with them and stuff like that. And he's absolutely fully Tottenhamized Tallahassee. So everywhere you go, there's Tottenham flags, banners, posters everywhere. So, um, yeah, maybe... Um, it's, Kurt, like, it's like Spurs world or it, it Tottenham is. and... It is. It is. It is quite scary, actually. So, uh, like I said, don't give um, anybody in our market department any clues about this, because before you know it, you'll be going on holiday and you'll have Brentfordization, you know, or Fulhamization everywhere. Ah, it's kind of, I couldn't think of anything worse, to be honest yeah. with you. But so, there you but, go. But so, your holiday, your holiday was good yeah, in your relationship. Holiday was good, mate. Absolutely no football. I didn't even see one ball kicked on a television. Um, had a real chill time. Yeah, batteries recharged. Um, back in time for the first fixture of the season so it makes me a little bit more loyal than you I'd say um but yeah no I'm actually looking forward to it I think uh it's been it's been lots of twos and throwings um it's hotting up as I've uh, as I just mentioned and uh I, I think the first fixture is uh, it's always exciting but I, I'm not sure what we're going to get but I think we will come out the traps uh all, 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 all guns blazing so I'm, I'm really looking forward to Saturday and then we've got um first away game following week at Bristol City so it's not often we get a chance to go down there when the sun's out I don't think so uh, looking forward to that so yeah I, I think the, the new season's come at a good time for me mate. yeah indeed and like I said to you fingers crossed and obviously there's been a lot of um, activity hasn't there yeah so I mean it's, it's been tough trying to keep some of it down and keep on top of some of it you know it's uh they, 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 it would appear that there's some big exits going to happen in the next couple of days bill it does i mean the thing is i mean we talked about this back in sort of back in june and uh i know a lot of people were getting very excited because we kept signing players we signed another player we said oh we signed a midfielder another midfielder or a defender and we kept on stockpiling these players and we didn't want to say anything because obviously, you know, what happens as soon as you say something, everyone starts panicking. But there's no way that you're going to be able to sign all those players without players leaving as well. And it was inevitable when you saw the amount of midfielders that we were signing, that there was going to be some leeway in that midfield area, wasn't there? I, I, I agree, yeah. Um, but, you know, they're, you know I, think the, I think the loss of uh, Stuart Dallas is, you know, I, I think we will miss him. He's, he's, he's not many of those other um, um, wingers that we've brought in can, can cross the ball as, as good as Stu. Um, I, I, think, I think, you know, I think it's pretty good money for him, you know, considering what we paid out for him. And that, you know, that is the model. Um, but you know what worries me more is just you know the, the cynicism um, that, that's kind of flowing around about same old Brentford and these players going at the beginning of the season. There's a lot of negativity. On, on the flip side of that, is a lot of people that seem to be very, very kind of level-headed about what's going on. They they, they can see that you know these are these are big transfer fees. Um, you know Stuart Dallas aside, you know maybe he could have gone for a little bit more, but some of the other numbers that we're we're hearing about Bill, you know. When you've got financial fair play, and when you've got to take into account the amount of money that we 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 spent on the players that are probably going to leave, you know, it doesn't constitute bad business, does it? Surely. I mean, I think not. At all. I mean, I think it's a difficult one. Again, with with Dallas, I mean, I think we have the luxury of having a player who was as good as Dallas. And if you look at you know how he played last season, he came mainly off the bench, so he was actually like a super super sub. I've actually just written an article for Sabotage Times, which is like a, quite a big blog, not just a football blog, but an everything blog. And they even wanted to know about Stuart Dallas. And I said to him, look, you know, he was a super super sub for us, a player who we used to bring off the bench maybe on 55, 60 minutes, who added 
energy to our side. He was direct and he, he provided an attacking threat. And we, we were in a really fortunate position to have a player like that sitting on the bench. The unfortunate situation that we're in is that we're Brentford who gets crowds of 12,000. We don't have massive wages. We've got this FFP thing, which means that we cannot pay the wages that people and clubs, failing clubs, as I say, with parachute payments who come down to our division and they get this big lump of summer money to try and lure players away with big, big wages away from clubs like us. And they failed in the first place. It's, it's quite annoying, and that's a separate conversation already. And I think with Stuart Dallas, it's a, it's a combination of a few things. First of all, he wanted first-team football. We brought in a load of other players that had come in, and we couldn't necessarily guarantee him that. He obviously wants to go to Europe with Northern Ireland next summer, and he needs first-team football. And I, I, I can, It's a big, big season for him, Bill. You're right. Yeah. You know, he, he needs as much first-team football. If he's going to play a central role in, in, you know, in France next summer, which he, he hopes to do, you're right. He has to, he has to be in the first team. If we can't guarantee it here, he's, you know, he, he's only, he's only sort of natural that he's going to look elsewhere. And you know, Rosler, Rosler comes in for him. You know, there's a, there's kind of a natural sort of, there's a natural link there. It kind there's of must, must have made sense for him. There is a natural link there. And obviously, you know, Leeds United will go out there and they pay bigger wages from us. as well. So all of a sudden he's thinking, I'll probably get first-team football. I'm at a team who gets bigger crowds and I'm going to get first-team football. I'll get more money, you know, um, Irish fans, Leeds. You know, there's lots and lots of different factors there and they're things that we can't fight against. And that's what's the difficult thing about it. I know a lot of people saying we keep going out and getting these players that no one else knows. They said the same thing about Hotter last year and Andre Gray. This is the problem. We bring, we bring these players, we put them on a pedestal, and somebody else comes and they nabs us. Now, that may change over the next two to three years. I know that the FFP limit this year is really low. It's only about six million, and it's going up to about 13 million next season. So that will change. So we'll be able to pay more, hold on to players, but it's a difficult time for Brentford at the moment. And uh, <laughs> the flip side of it is that. You know, two, three, four, five, six years ago, people would be sort of kind of pinching our players for 500,000. Look at DJ Campbell, you know. Well, he's the best player ever and 500,000 he's gone for. Now we're selling players for, you know, we're talking about seven, eight million pounds for Andre Gray after buying him for 500,000. We don't want him to go, but if they're going to go, at least let's get some decent dough for him, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I spot on. It's been the most one of the most galling things down the years is to see you know who we know are quality players just picked up by other clubs you know on on bargains and it, it feels like you're raped sometimes and that's something that's not it's not happening at the moment. We've got you know it seems we've got an owner that holds out for the right right amount of money um, and then when it's when it constitutes a good deal, then you know. You know, sometimes you just got to wish them well. You know, we, we can't keep everyone. Um, and sometimes a player wants to go. We're not, we're not pushing them out the door. We're not saying, like, we've had an offer, see you later. It's, it, it, it would appear that, the, the, you know, the agents and the players have a desire to leave. You know, probably the only, the only player that um, has left um, this, this summer window that kind of um, may not fit into that is Jonathan Douglas. He, he seemed to have, you know, he seemed to have either fallen out or he's kind of, uh, you know, he's, he's passed his past his best and um, he's been, he's been, you know, he's been moved on to Ipswich. Which the irony is, we, we face him Saturday. Is that is that going to come back? Is the beard going to come back and bite us, Bill? I mean, I think that that what that worries me more than anything else, actually. But it is only one game um, because we're still building. Um, we've got, um, you know, Jonathan Douglas, who is missing from the side or missing from the squad as well. And also we've got Josh McCrickerin, who's who's injured as well. But also, we, you know, we've got the intelligence 
the intelligence, when I say the intelligence, as in the information that Dougie can give to um, to Ipswich about Brentford. You know, he was with them pre-season. He knows the strengths and weaknesses of our players. And as you know, Mick McCarthy, he's one of these guys who micro, he micro looks at every situation and he deals with it. When when Brentford, they came down to Brentford last Christmas, he had absolutely, he, he had looked at our team and he knew exactly how to play us that game. And that, that what, that's what really worries me. He obviously knows there's going to be a situation where our right back's going to be missing. So there's going to be probably McCormack down the right. You know, this is no rocket science. We're not, not giving them any information that they don't know. So it's like, how do we deal with that situation? It may be fine. I, I don't know. But it's going to be a different scenario than, obviously, if Moses was playing at right back. Um, and like I say that situation is, is worries me. Also, the thing that worries me slightly is that you remember the way that Dougie played against Leeds. He almost had a point to prove against him last season at home. And he was brilliant. So the Ipswich fans reckon that he probably won't start, so he might come on sort of in 55, 60 minutes, and that'll be an interesting situation to see what happens there. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting, but I mean, you know, he hasn't had a, he hasn't had a pre-season as such, so I, I can't imagine he's match fit. Um, so, we, you know, it, it may not come back to bite us at all on Saturday. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting together with the boys later on. I've got, I've got a, a fine selection of reprobates going to meet up in the um, Prince Belusha tonight, I think, of, of uh, reserved a little cubicle. Um, so we're, we're going to be taking over um, a little bit of Twickenham later on to do the podcast in the, in the Fuller's Pub on the Green. Um, so, but but Bill, you know you're, you're away, but we're gonna uh, you're gonna be central to the podcast over the next couple of weeks until you you come back. Um, what 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 do you what are you looking for this season? It's it's uh, you know a lot of people last year were saying you know survival was everything, and it turned out to be a lot lot better than that. Um, is this year is this year gonna you know can you see it matching anywhere near last year, or, or, or you know is it just literally about consolidation again this year? I've, I mean, I've got it down on record to say that this year is a consolidation record for us, I think, because there are so many changes. You know, we've got a lot of new players, I think, are very good players, but they're going to have to get used to the system. We've got a new manager. Everything's got to get used to everything. Now, I might be wrong, and it may all snap into place, and it may be all really brilliant. But I'm thinking, you know, we've got we've had a couple of bit of unluckiness with, you know, Lachman You know, he's been injured, so we're going to go out and have to look for another central defender. We've had our right back who's gone missing, you know, a couple of days before the end of the season. We've got people who are sniffing around our forwards and stuff like that. So we're still a state of flux. But uh, I've been away, so I haven't seen the pre-season friendlies. But I've been catching up on all the news. I heard we played really fantastic against Stoke. Other games, we're still trying to find a rhythm in in, in certain places, but. People were very enthused about the fact that, you know, we seem to be able to play different styles and the manager seems to have got our, our way of football right and we're still playing good, exciting football, which I think is is really good. The thing I am nervous about, though, is that if we get off to a slower start than everyone expects, management starts getting nervous, the players start getting nervous, the fans start getting nervous, everyone starts to get on each other's back and that can actually affect the team overall. And that's, that's a real, that's a bit of a fear for me and that's a bit of a fear for everyone. I think we need to stick with it. But they were Overall, really, you were lucky. We sat down with um, Marinus on his well. It was his first day of work. First yeah, day, first day of Brentford. Day work, we, had, yeah. we, had a, we had a pleasant evening down by the river with with Marinus. You know, he, he's 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 on a on a small little learning curve as well, or a massive one, whichever way we look at it. You know, do you think it's just, there's actually like too much change? Is too much? Um, too many new ingredients or untried ingredients being shoved in there or mixed for, for anything other than kind of just a uh, 
you know, I, obviously, I don't. There's too much quality there to, to to hopefully worry about looking down the wrong end of the table. But you know, is 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 it too much to expect that we can get anywhere close to last year? I mean, I think it's difficult because obviously, if, if they could have, it, I mean, if Marinus even said to us that night, he thought we got a very good side. He he, he looked at us last season, um, and he's seen us play, and he saw the place. He said we've got some very good players, and we just need to add here or there. He can't help the fact that agents are going to go and find their players more money elsewhere. That disrupts the side. And I thought what was interesting is when he turned around, he talked about Moses and they asked him that Billy um, Reeves asked him the question straight. Pretty much, he said, in a very, very um, Dutch way, in effect, he said, if he doesn't want to play for us, let him go. Welcome to the Be Sotted Pride of West London podcast, coming live and direct today from West London again. Um, got a motley crew with me this evening, um, some of the old faces and a brand new one too. Um, welcome to, in no particular order, Matt Allard. Good evening, good evening. Nick Carthew, back for more. Back for more, back for another season. Making his first besotted podcast appearance, um, a good friend of mine and big B author, Mark Croxford. Hello, nice to be here. And late, and not quite here yet, but he'll join us in a second, is Martin Holland, the Dutchman, the other Dutchman, the real Brentford Dutchman. Um, and myself, Dave Lane. Um, uh, Bill, as you've just heard, is uh, signing himself in Miami or Florida, wherever it is, same, same place to me, don't know anything about the place. Um, and um, yeah, so what have you been up to, boys? Matt? This summer, sport wise, it's, it's all been about the Ashes, I'm afraid. A um, couple of days of that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, the yeah, good one as well, didn't you? Yeah, 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 the two days at Cardiff when England were suddenly looked like we were in contention for the Ashes. Um, and then obviously, I never got to Lords, where Nick might take us up from about what happened there. But yeah, no, two brilliant days, the last two days, and. Um, and, that's had me all, and it all looked great, yeah. Mark, anything, anything out in the summer for you, Mark? Uh, nothing too spectacular. I was in Norfolk for a week, and unfortunately back before the, the Norwich game, which was a bit of a shame. You've seen a few bees friendly. I've seen a few you? of those, yeah. I think I've probably seen four or five in total, including the development squad at Biggleswade. Biggleswade, what was Biggleswade like? Um, difficult to find, but uh, it was... a. Uh, it was a, a, a quaint little ground, I suppose. It's a quaint. We're talking of quaint. Nick? Yeah, well, I've been watching quaint county cricket, actually, and proper stuff, you know, none of this uh, highfalutin ashes, which is like the Premiership. I've been watching the Championship in cricket. Very good stuff. And also engaged in a bit of conflict resolution. So uh, if uh, Marinus needs my help with uh, any Irishman or any other players that he's negotiating well, with, I'm happy to. Thank you. So I, think that, I think his Irish problem seems to have d- d- dissolved, um, which we'll talk about that in a minute. Me, myself... Um, just come back from Greece and a chill time. I've been a bit of a bit of a sad close season. I haven't. I have, I've been enjoying my Saturdays to be honest, um, making the most of it because I know what's about to happen. My life will, is going to go back, straight back into fifth gear and bees craziness. So um, I love it. I wouldn't do it otherwise. But um, yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be getting these bees podcast done again. It's been. It seems like five minutes ago, um, but uh, lots happened. I think is an understatement. Um, the first few weeks of the close season, it was very quiet. Um, Marinus, it seems as you know, he, he did what he said he was going to do. He took the players away. Um, he cast his eye over a few of them, um, and we've seen in the last week or so 
mostly it, it would appear that he's, he's, he's decided to let a few go. Um, first of all, you know, Tony Craig went off to Millwall. Um, he was a great servant to Brentford, I think. I think uh, it was a good move for the player. Um, no one's got a bad word to say about Tony Craig, have they, really? So he's gone back to his spiritual home in uh, South East London. You know, um, he, started, he, he started his career at Millwall and was going to finish his career at Millwall, wasn't he? I mean, he is a Millwall legend, so yeah, good luck to him, good luck to him. Thank um, you for what he did for us. Yeah, and but we've, we've strengthened. I mean, we're, we're going to go on to the departures in a minute, but I think, I think we ought to start with the indoor... Um, Mark, I'll start with you. I mean, what, what, have, what have you thought of uh, you know the, the recruitment during the postseason? Well, I think from what I've seen of, of the, the new arrivals in the pre-season games, I think there's some real quality there. I think the um, the centre back, the Danish centre back, Andreas Bellend or Belland, however you pronounce it, I think he, he he looks class. He looks a real quality player. Um, and I think what we, you know, what we would have desperately wanted to see was someone who could come in and, and eradicate those defensive errors. And I think, having seen him very briefly, he looks the type of player who could who could fulfil that role. So I think he, he looks to he looks the top one from my point of view. Um, Gogia looks exciting, um, but overall, I, I just think the new players look as if they've got. They've each got something about them, which so is what you would have so Gogia came right. I mean, we 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 found about him on on the um, on the on the uh, coach back from Middlesbrough. You know, stepping up from the German third division. That's 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 some. That is some step up. But you've been impressed by what you what he's brought already. Well, I've been, I've been very impressed. I, I, I think, in, in a strange way, I'd almost say that he he could prove to be a more exciting player than, than Hotter, because I just think he's. You know, Hotter's a Hotter's a class player, but he's a nice player. Gogia looks to have a little bit of devilment about him, and he's more direct, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Um, I, I read something that said that in the German third division last year, I think he was the most booked player. I think he picked up something like twelve yellow cards. I think you can almost see he's got that that, that wild side to him as well, which I think will make him a little bit more, you know, attractive as a as a player. So you're not worried that he's going to come in and be like naive and, and, and a bit in awe of stepping no, up I, I, certainly confident from, yeah from what I've seen of him if you saw the goal he scored against Stoke okay it took a, took a deflection but you know he was prepared to, to hit that hit that ball from 25 25 yards out I, th- I think he looks at a confident quality young player he's, he's, he's quite he's sort of quite he's quite different to horror isn't he because horror will come back and play an easy ball yeah but this guy looks as if I mean not unlike Dallas in some respects yeah um, in that he's direct, um, he's not afraid to have a shot, and um, if we don't sort of, you know, as long as we don't confuse matters, then he could be a very useful acquisition. Two comments, one of which is that good I hear about Goggia, because I mean, one of the things that I think we lack in midfield is a bit of bite with recent departures, um, and it would be good to hear if he does get stuck in, that will be good, because I think we lack a bit of that um, if with, with Douglas having go. My only comment is, and I don't think any of us actually, the only one pre-season game that none of the Basotti crew made a journey to was the Norwich one, wasn't it? Because watching the highlights, I did think that Norwich's first goal was typical over-the-top ball, turned our defence, and I thought it was better, but I couldn't. I was watching on a pretty dodgy dodgy YouTube feed, so I couldn't see. But what worried me was exactly the classic uh, over-the-top ball that we'd scored against this a number of times over the year. Martin, Martin knows my rage about these. I was going to say, seven minutes into the new, yeah. the new season of podcasts, uh, Nicky's already 
on at the centre backs. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm already a little bit scared of talking about Andre Gray's departure, possible departure later on, because I know I was quite confident that we could get through a whole podcast without sort of ducking um, from like this tirade of like we haven't got enough strikers. Just when I thought we had enough strikers. We might not have again, so we'll let's let's, let's worry about that later on. <laughs> the Dutchman, the Dutchman has joined us. The Dutchman, what did Hi, you what, what have you thought of our, our our pre-season as we are now in late pre-post mid-close season mode? It's it's all a bit new, isn't it? It's all a bit different. I'm not used to having everybody want all of our players, so I guess that's something we need to come to terms with if we're in this division and that's where we're going to be. So I think, as I said on my last one. For me, I didn't read a lot of the players that came in last year and they turned out well, so you've got to hope that the ones that are coming in, I mean, at least this time we've got some players in rather than where we've been previously where we've kind of lost players and then thought, you know, who are we going to get in? Yeah, so we are slightly ahead of the game in yeah. that case and it depends whether your glass is half full or half empty. And at the moment, mine's, my, my, my physical glass is empty because I just got here, but my, my Brentford glass is half full. I think someone did a decent post in the week saying that you know, if you look at it positively and look at who we got in, and you guys may have just said this, but if you've got you know, Geiger coming in and... You know, we think he's better than Dallas, hopefully, and you've got the guy in the midfield, you've got Kirsch Baumer in there, you know, is he better than Douglas? Hopefully, yes, then that's an upgrade. Um, clearly, you know, Moses would be an issue. We don't really think we've got enough cover there at right back. The rest it depends what happens in the next couple I, of weeks, isn't it? I, I think we can I think we can I mean we can debate about Goja versus Dallas. We'll, we'll, we're gonna find out in the next few weeks. Um, but I think we can safely say that we've strengthened the centre back. Um, and that's always you know, two of the key positions on the park. So, you know, when you're trying to build that sort of backbone to the team, we've strengthened there, and that's that's a good thing. Um, right back's going to be a worry. Um, we'll have to see how we go. I think you hit on a very good point there. It's how you how you view Brentford at the moment, whether it's glass glass half full, or glass half empty. Um, you know, I, I can't. I haven't got the mental capacity or the, or the, or the sort of like the, the, the wherewithal to kind of try to. I'm not going to preach to these people. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but you know some things are indisputable. Is that we have brought in international quality European players in pretty much all all, all positions. We've got we've got full Swedish internationals. We've got full Danish internationals. We've got Austrian internationals. We've got all kinds of players coming in now. You you, you can't deny their potential. Un- yeah, the, I, I can still see why people would be nervous. They're unproven at, in the championship. They're unproven in English football. But these but, are exactly the same. The, the players they're replacing were yeah. exactly the same. So. Yeah, and if, and if and if the recruitment policy is as, as is as strong as it was last summer with the players we paid, you know, a million for seven hundred fifty thousand for players are talking about leaving now um, and we've we've picked four out of the six or seven we've been speaking about that can do the job then then you know they're going to help plug some of the gaps that we're seeing a little bit if I can say as well you've got two guys there that we haven't seen yet I mean the hopes for McLeod last year you know the, the mystery man and McGregor this year you know we've got two players there who are two of the most expensive that we've ever bought you know we haven't, we're not even talking about them because they can't play for the next couple of months Whatever that date may be, and you know, that's massively exciting what those two can do. And you know, they're, they're two players we've kind of almost forgotten about already. Um, we don't really know what Hogan's going to be like at this level, but there's another one there we spent money on. And also, if we sell, you know, if Gray and Moses do go for whatever price we get, there's an awful lot of money burning a hole in someone's pocket. You know, it's not over yet for purchases if that's the way that we want to go. I think it's also you can also add to that list another player who I think has been really impressive in, in pre season is O'Connell. 
who has been the, the forgotten man in, in a sense because he came in, in January with this really good reputation. We didn't see him at all last season, but I've seen him in a couple of pre-season games and he looks, you know, he looks the, the part. He's another addition to this really strong central defensive team that we've got now. We've got, we've got so many central defenders. <laughs> I don't think Dijkhausen has any history of playing three at the back, but it does make you wonder, doesn't it? Well, I just wonder whether O'Connell actually might be young enough to learn to play in another defensive position as well. But, but also, key is that this year we are starting the season a week earlier than Penal. Because, I mean, what worried me about all these transfers were thinking, oh, right, OK, everybody's leaving. We're not going to have enough time to get everybody else in. But actually, the transfer window doesn't close till August the 31st, and we're starting on August the 8th. So there is still time, particularly if we've got some money, to actually to actually go out and get some decent players and, and having who may well have proved themselves in one or two games, in a league game and in a cup game, say, in proper, proper um, football, not, not just pre-season. I'm really keen to... We, I think we are certainly obviously going to speak about Moses and um, Gray's potential probable departure in, in a minute, but I'm, I'm keen to keep on, the, on, a, on a new season um, vibe at the moment, so uh, um, we, we'll come back to that in a sec. So, new season, new start for everyone, fresh slate, new manager. Um, we need to look back and tip our hats, I think, still to Mark Warburton, that style of play we saw last year. And interesting little chat Mark and I had over, uh, had over on the way um, to here tonight in the car. Um, Mark, you, you were saying that you don't think that we'll ever see that, that sort of gung-ho style of play um, ever again. Is that a bad thing? I think it's, it, it makes it perhaps a little bit less exciting, a little bit less opportunity to get you off your seats. But in terms of, of moving the club forward, I think it's probably, it was probably a right time for that. It was, probably, it was a fantastic season. Maybe it's time to, 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 to move on slightly. But I, think, I just think in terms of, of defining Warburton's time here, I think there, there, were, there were two games for me that, that when I look back will say that's what Warburton was all about. One of those was when he first took over at Peterborough on yeah. New Year's Day. Yeah when we saw the compl- a completely different approach to, to, to that that we've seen that we've seen with Rosler. And I think that was that was really exciting and that, that sort of set us up for what what was what Warburton was going to bring. The other one was last season, the Bournemouth home game. Because I think that was that was the game where you're playing at home against the team, top of the table, possibly the best team in the division. You you're two one up, ten minutes to go, and yet we were just throwing men forward to get the third goal and it worked. But I think that's what we've probably seen the end of. I don't expect to see the likes of that again. Is that just because of Warburton? Is that is is there no club ethic of of, of like attack, attack, attack? Well, I, I think it's a question of, of finding the you know the the right medium because I think the attack, attack, attack business is is fantastic. But at the end of the day, it's about getting the results, and and I think um, possibly we're going to see. I don't think you would see many other managers come in apart from from Warburton who would actually adopt that 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 gun ho style. So um, I, I, I think it's it, it was fantastic to watch, but I think it's time just to, to move on a little bit, and I expect to see a little bit of more of a conservative approach this season. Matt, what are you expecting from Marinus? Um, I actually don't think that much will change apart from just that five percent of gun ho-ness. I still think we're going to play more or less the same, certainly from the Stoke game, from what I Slightly saw. Slightly less potty. Slightly less potty. Maybe not put. Maybe not be 
as high up the pitch when we're defending as such. Um, but I still think we're going to move the ball around. I still think we're going to be using centre-backs to lay short balls and stuff like that. I still think Barton will kick occasionally, but a lot of the time it's going to be frozen and short kicks aimed at players. I don't think that will change. I, I think that's fostered down now from the top of the club. I think that's that's the setup at the club. Um, whether we'll still be attacking the league leaders with 10 minutes to go, yeah, maybe that will change. But I, I, I think we'll probably set up more or less the way we have been doing um, for the last season and a half. The Dutchman, you won't be having quite as many flutters on goals in the last three minutes or injury time this season. I won't, and I won't be back in Tony Craig to get the first goal every game either, so there's, there's a plus to the season for me already. Go to, <laughs> to, 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 to Marnie every week. Marnie. I was going to say, especially when he wasn't playing. I'll have it start hard and all that. Well, they have Will Grieg <laughs> down on the slips most weeks. So, yeah. In terms of style... I quite like the pottiness. I mean, I think last season was a very special set of circumstances that came together. You know, not necessarily all planned. You know, things just happened and fell together in terms of management and style and players. And it was, I think, it was unique and it was probably exactly what we needed. The risk is always, of course, you set your expectations so high in terms of a achievement and b performance and excitement. But we met, I agree. I think there's an edict now in the club that will play a certain way. And I think the players, his buying, I've only seen the one going against Stoke, which I was very excited by. Similar style, some new players who seem to fit into that style, some old players, King Yotta, you know, playing exactly the same way he always does. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And you know, the, the pragmatist says, yeah, if we're a little bit safe in the last 10 minutes, that's probably not a bad thing. But I'll still miss it. Oh, I think we'll, I think, well, I think we'll all miss it. <laughs> did, 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 we hold, did, you, did we hold three up for corners? I don't think we did. Did we against Stoke? Um, no. That's my change as well. That's my change as well. I was fortunate enough to, um, to have met Marinus when we went out for a, a, a little little drink with him on his first or second day and he, he, no, no it's not but he, he was um, he, he was quite adamant that the the, the attacking flowing football was, was gonna was gonna continue so you know is, is it is it fair for us to, to throw last season back at him or are we have we just got to forget that or, or what, what, what what's right for us I've read there's an interesting interview with uh, Eddie Howe in uh, the latest edition of 442 magazine which I was reading on a long train journey <coughs> um, recently and Eddie Howe said that he had last season he didn't make that many changes but that he began to realise is that you need to sometimes be more pragmatic um, and it served him well so I mean we I think we've seen Bournemouth a couple of years running we were impressed with them two years ago Last year, they actually ran away with the, the and, and well deserved their promotion. I really hope they hold their own in the Premiership. It would be fascinating to see. Um, but if Mar- if Marion has said, right, okay, I'm bringing a bit of pragmatism, pragmatism into this. Hey, you know, we could be on for an interesting season. I guess Bournemouth um, had that continuity. They 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 had their second season in the Championship with the same manager. We 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 haven't had that. But last last year, and we we did cover this quite a few times. We we are ahead of where Bournemouth were in, in at the end of their first mm. season, mm. Um, and they went up as champions. Is 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 that really too much for us to even be sniffing at? Oh, I mean, is, is is promotion this year just a, a pipe dream? Is it just a fairy tale? I we're not going to be sure for a few weeks yet. But what I would say is Bournemouth didn't have the unrest we've had in. Let's face it, there's been 
an element. Would when I say it, unrest, I don't mean off the pitch. I it's mean. interesting that you turn of unrest. Do you, do you feel that I, there is? I think unrest is the wrong word, but it's just there's been a big turnaround of players. Um, and I think it just takes a little bit of time sometimes to get everybody to knit in again together. I don't think Bournemouth had the turnaround we've had. Accepting the colliery of that, of course, is Southampton, who had a huge turnover of players last, last year and actually did, again, quite well under a Dutch manager. You know, and this year it'll be interesting to see how they go. But there's no, they've strengthened their squad um, this year, despite having sold their best players onto Arsenal and Liverpool and what have you. So I think, I think Brentford should be model. I think Brentford should be a, the London model of what's hap- been happening on the south coast. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Do you see Southampton as a, a, a decent analogy? Yeah, I, I heard somebody speaking the other day talking about. The, the, the two Premier League clubs who, who have set themselves up in a, in a similar way to the, the way that we're going, I think, are Swansea and, and Southampton. And I think they're good models to follow. And I, I, I um, you know, I, I, I don't see any reason why we should not achieve the same sort of um, levels of success longer term that those two have. I just, actually, going back from what I was saying about, you know, how there's been this big turnaround, do you think if we'd have sold the players that we now look like we're going to sell and have lost. Do you think if we'd have done, if that business had happened in June and then we'd have brought the new players in in July and August, the actual, the vibe would be a little bit different. The V-Bay. The V-Bay, <laughs> shall we say, would be a little bit different because I think we're all a little bit shell-shocked by what's going on at the moment and losing players. Well, or maybe you're not. Maybe you, you all expected it and you were comfortable with it. But do you think it's because of the order it's happened in? Dutch, you, you know this, you're a businessman, you know that timing is out of your control when someone comes in to buy a player or a company or whatever. Yeah. You know, this whole negotiation happens at the yeah. buyer's the buyer's time, not the certain, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it, with the transfer window? You know, I mean, the, the plus is that we've got three, as, as Nick said earlier, got three, four weeks to perhaps spend if you need some more. I mean, the danger if you sell first, you've got the money, everyone knows you've got the money, the yeah. prices go up. Yeah. You know, I think someone made a point in the week saying, you know, if Brentford come looking for your players now, people start looking at why they want their players. You know, is there something in that stats model that that they've missed as a club? You know, is there something why why Brentford want our player? What is yeah. that stat that's well, I think we're a different model. I think we kind of got in first, got the retaliation first, almost. I think I don't mind it being that way around. I'm I'm more comfortable with players leaving knowing that we've already got some decent replacements in there from what I've seen and from what I've read i got, I got a feeling this is something to do with Sky's um, negotiations that, that you're only allowed to um, start buying and selling loads of players when they have their transfer deadline count clock going on and they've got some idiot flying around the country in a helicopter it, that's, when think, it, that's when it all happens. I, I, I've got a theory all the deals are actually done in July. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Including all the ones that happen on transfer deadline day. And then, and then they just like release them to keep the news flowing. Just like auto tweets. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't think transfer deadline day exists. I just think it's all all the business is done and then they all start screaming at eight o'clock in the evening. So and so it's like transfer matrix. Yeah, yeah. This is business. We all hear the rumours and the stories which there's, there's a price, everyone said there's a price on certain players and people know roughly what that price is and it's a game as in any other business, isn't it? And, you know, they're not for sale while they are really if the price meets X and that, that's the situation we've got with the couple that are currently making the news today, isn't it? It's, it's it is and I don't think we can ever get away from the fact is it's, it's all about timing. 
and they have gone away on their pre-season tours and made out that everything's everything's IRE and now the, the season's getting a little bit closer and um, there seems to be agent talk and transfer talk and you know I, I think I, it's, no, it's no coincidence isn't it look you, you can't you, you can't knock Andre Gray for wanting to make the most of his career um, I did think it was slightly ironic that his tweet today was uh, he retweeted him praise from a very expensive watch company today um, thanking him for his custom and so obviously he needs to make a few bucks to get back his £20,000 or however much he spent on some some watch I don't never understand why August 599 isn't good enough for most people um, but these guys are they're in it for a short career and you know and they are going to make I mean an Andre Gray last year the other thing I was thinking about Andre Gray is I can remember the latter part of the last season we were all talking about Andre Gray having run out of steam and the fact that he had no support and you know was he as good at forward as as everybody was saying that he was and Dave you were absolutely you thought he was the best forward we've had in, in Griffin Park for a number of years oh, that was Will Grigg <laughs> well yeah there's people now who don't think he's worth you know when, when Will Grigg played for us the comments he got about not being worth 50 pence and now there's people moaning him and we're offered a million for him and you know we're giving him away for cheap and, oh, well he's but, really not, <laughs> sorry no we can't Bill's, um, Will Grigg's agent's not here to defend him this week <laughs> but what I would say about Andre Gray is you all laughed at me at the end of last season when I said, if, if we get offered three million for Gray, let's take it. You know, We're now being offered rumours of seven million plus for Andre Gray. I say, let's take it because I have enough faith in our management team, and this isn't brown nosing, to be able to go out and discover somebody else, possibly from a conference club, possibly from the second division of the Danish Superliga or whatever it is, who will be worth value. And I think what we've got to recognise is, Brentford, we are going to be a selling club. Um, and I think fans have got to get used to this, is that we will bring on players who will then command good wages. Because that's what financial fair play is. And, 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 and let's be honest here, yeah, it's, it's finding a place in the pecking order. Everyone's a selling club, all the way up to including the, the fourth place in the Premiership. You know, there's only a certain amount of players, clubs that can retain their best players. And you know, Matthew Benham um, is is wealthy, but you know, he's not he's not he's not sort he's of not he's brother. not he's not oligarch, and he's and he, and he, is, he certainly isn't an oil shake from from Qatar or from from, from one of the Emirates. Sometimes they we just need a reality check and sit back there. We've just turned down eight or nine million pounds. For two players, or whatever the figure is rumoured to be, you know, where have we come from in two years? You know, we're sitting there saying, is that enough? Are we yeah. going to get 10, 11, 12? We just sort of sit back and think about what we're turning down compared with what's happened in the past. And, and, the, and the fact is that we, you know, we've all grown up. We've been, we've all been through it, where our very best players will be sold for two hundred and fifty thousand if you were lucky. Um, you know, Mark, give us, give, give us, give us some sort of reality check on where we're at. Well, I, I think it's also interesting. Pick, pick up on the point you made about Andre Gray and about, you, you know, we, we have confidence that, that we can bring in someone else. I think we also need to bear in mind we've got two new strikers in already. That if, if at the end of last season we'd have said we'd have been bringing in uh, Weber and Hoffman, we haven't seen an awful lot of him, but he's got a great reputation. We've signed already two really good players to play up, up front. So losing Gray is a blow, but look at what we've already got in, in addition to, to anything else that might come. So I think, you know, we, we need to, to, to just 
look at what we've got as well as, yes, I, as what might be coming. I, I, I go back to what I said. I just think it's the timing that's, that's getting everybody uptight, or not everybody, because clearly not everyone in this room even is uptight. But there's a lot of sports that are, and I just think it's the timing that's done it. I think if the sale, if the sales have been spread over the summer. I'm not saying they should have been or could have been. I'm just saying if they had have been, then probably we wouldn't. You know, we'd, we'd all be slightly feeling a little bit different. Matt, what, can Saturday. you think of another t- another pre-season where we sold a load of players very close to <laughs> the start of the season? Yeah, I can think of the um, of the the season where Webb um, took took the um, took control of the club and sold most of the um, most of the silverware. From what I can remember, um, he w- I think half of them went to Gillingham, didn't they? Gillingford. Gillingford, sorry. Gillingford. I don't think that total of nine pounds <laughs> cumulatively into nine million, which probably just shows how far yeah, exactly. it might, yeah. it might have got nine million might come in, yeah. but I'm not, sure it, I'm not sure it went into the club's but that, account. But that did feel different, didn't it? Because because you went to Millwall and you I had a sinking feeling walking in walking in at Millwall that day thinking this is gonna be a long season. My, my only worry my only worry is that if we don't get off to a reasonable start. I mean, we've got a couple of tough fixtures. We've got Ipswich Town on Saturday, which we'll yeah. come on to later. Uh, Oxford's in the in the. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the two, two home fixtures is a good start. Yeah. Well, as <laughs> long as long as we get something from it, because actually, if you then start, the crowd will start to start mutterings that it wasn't as good as last year, and this is not what we're expecting. I agree. I agree. The pressure grows. You will have a lot of people who don't understand the new system that Brentford are operating writing about us, and you know, I bet you there'll be people in the press who will be only too happy to to slag off well, this, this new system. It's already started, I reckon. If well, you know, yeah, we, we, we did touch on this the end of last season that we, we know that the press are they you know they've got their pencils sharp and waiting for a waiting for a clue of the statistical model to be failing. But you're asking you're, ask, you're asking a hundred percent you're asking a hundred percent of but, our, our supporters to be But uh, have you noticed okay and, and, and I, I mentioned Sky and, and I, I was I was being a bit flippant then but have you noticed that they are using new statistical modelling um, and they are relying on new which are actually I think are pretty crap um, stats, but when they're when, when they're when they're looking at potential signings for different Premiership um, um, clubs, they're they they they've um, they're, they're using different um, you know numbers to, to, to see how good they are. So this this, this kind of populism of statistical data seems to be growing, and, and you know we it, it, in fact it doesn't make it look like witchcraft. It actually looks like that we are on 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 trend. You know, have you noticed that, Mark? They're using Hoffman's shirt number. They, you know, that's apparently quite loud, isn't it? Hoffman's shirt number? Go on, you've lost me. Well, it's Hoffman's shirt number. I didn't have one, though, he wasn't there. Oh, right, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about this. Is he refusing to have one? He's some mix-up of the numbers, I thought, every time. He was originally announced as number nine, wasn't he? And then that number nine was taken away from him and given back to Scott Hogan. So it's a false number nine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if there's one thing Hoffman is it's a false line <laughs> so it looks like Moses has definitely gone um, not been confirmed but I think that's I think that's the writing's the writing's down for that one Gray not necessarily um, so you know it may a lot may happen between now and match day and you know obviously we're recording this on a Wednesday night so you know anything could happen but you know if both go, which probably will happen, 
how does that leave us? Are we, we covered, Mark? I don't think he... I wouldn't say we're not well covered. Hoffman, I think, offers... Hoffman offers us something that we've been crying out for and have not had, perhaps, with Andre Gray, and that's someone who, who holds the ball up exceptionally well and brings other players into play. I think Gray, Gray at his best, is capable of doing that, but I think we saw in the second half, last third of last season, perhaps he, he struggled a little bit in that respect. Hoffman, I don't think he's a... From a very limited view I've had of him, I don't think Hoffman's a 20-goal-a-season striker by any means, but I think in terms of his ability to bring other players into, into the game, I think he, he, he could be a real success. And we've got midfield players who can score goals, we've got we lost goals in, in Douglas and Pritchard, but we've got goals in Hotter, we've got goals presumably in Goggia, possibly Kirschbaumer. And I think if you've got a central striker who can bring other players into play, then, then you stand a good chance. And I think Hoffman, whether he's, he's the long-term answer, I don't know, but I think Hoffman can cover that position at the outset reasonably well. I mean, they, they are both quality players. It's, it's undeniable. Um, it's a lot of money if they do go. Nick, you know, are we, are we, are we well, the other, well, the other player we haven't mentioned is Vibe. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, I haven't seen him play, so I can't I can't comment on him, but, you know, that's another four. It worries me we haven't got enough forwards. I mean, it's always worried. You there, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's always worried me. It worried me again. You know, if, if, if as we talk on winter, it looks like Gray is going, um, I think that we need to spend and invest the money that we'll get from Moses and Gray on another forward. We don't need another midfielder. We don't need another attacking midfielder. We need another forward because, you know, we've got good ones in, in Hogan who's injured. We've got, you know... But you look down the list, we just haven't got enough forwards. And we need goals, and goals win new games. And the attacking midfielders last year, apart from some great... We've lost Dallas as well, who actually I thought you know would have come on more this season as well. We haven't mentioned him. I thought Dallas would have probably been a regular starter this season, much more so than he was last so lack of goals that's the thing that really worries me Dutch do we, do we squirrel all that money or do we splash the cash I think we, we probably will get spend some more I would imagine I think the upfront issue is interesting because Mark's point about Hoffman and again I haven't seen enough of him or, or Vibe to make a decision but it's vibe <laughs> whether that changes our formation is possibly one of the issues with them so if he's not a a 20 goal a season goal scorer and we've had plenty of people who aren't 20 goal a season goal scorers playing up front over the years um, <laughs> that's for sure um, but, yeah, but if he's not and it depends what the number is I guess between 0 and 20 does it change the formation you know, can we go with one up front as we so often did last year with someone who doesn't score that many goals so that might be an issue I think the, the Moses one the right back is an interesting one you've kind of clearly got Linares there and you've clearly got Mac there who's you know, loved by all but people are still talking about we need a right back so that's an interesting one on the left side you've got Bidwell we've only got one left back and everyone's quite happy because they like Bidwell and that probably says something about the right back position I think so I'd imagine he'd look for more cover I don't know whether the, any of the other centre backs can go right whether O'Connell can go right whether there's some cover there but I think two decent players in every position suggests that we probably need a full you're back not, on both you're sides not, you're not 100% happy with Unaris I just you know, we've all seen him play some good bits and some not so good bits and apparently he's come on in close season which is always a good thing to hear but I guess it's not whether I've rated him it's whether the manager does you know, clearly the managers they haven't raised him enough to put him in the team on a regular basis even when we had the injuries so 
that, that's a worry. I saw him at Luton. Uh, he started against Luton, and I thought what was quite interesting is Luton obviously worked out quite early on is that he was the weak, weak link, and they went down that wing consistently taking on Inaris. I mean, you know, he wasn't appalling, but it was the difference between playing Luton and being playing Ipswich Town. And, uh, that was what, what, what would worry me on Saturday. I'm, I'm not quite sure who Ipswich play on the left, but I'm, I'll make an assumption Ipswich won't have changed much tactically. Um, I'd probably be looking at McCormack against Ipswich. I have to admit, at Portman Road, they did go down the left. Did they? Know. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was, but that was Tyrone Mings, wasn't it? He's now left. So, um, you know, he was like the overlapping left back from what I can remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they went long... I can imagine them going long ball to the left. I, I don't think they're going to change tactically. I just wonder if Macca might be the fit for for Saturday if if Ipswich haven't changed that much. Well, any any, any team worth their salt should try a couple of long balls of, and you know over the top of our centre backs, you know, because we still don't seem to have learned from it. What do you think, I have to say. What do you think about lo- lonely potentials? Well, I, I think I think the loan thing's quite interesting because um, we we have plugged in the last couple of seasons a few gaps with loan players. Um, Loan players for a season as well, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, certainly not for the season. I'm not. I mean, the loan. Obviously, the loan deadline doesn't come for a, quite a few weeks yet. But I, I, I am sort of a bit. I am wondering how attractive we are this season for getting loanies in because just because we've got what you could call an untried manager and a, and kind of you know an unknown coaching system, and I don't know whether that affects you a little bit um, in terms of you know the big clubs looking at Brentford and wondering if they're going to loan players out. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not 100% familiar with how that whole system works, but I, I'm pretty certain Warburton had some, you know, had had the confidence of of some of the bigger clubs, and just maybe at the moment they're sort of looking at Brentford, not sure whether they'd be sending at least a player on loan for a season to us because it doesn't appear they are. I guess it's an interesting point, but I, I, you have to hope that the reputation of the club and the way that they've treated loan players, you know, we, yeah. we're told that we're well thought of by the Evertons and the Spurs for how we've done it. And I'm sure Warburton's a big part of that, but I guess we just have to hope that the club's reputation supersedes that of the individuals, and, and we'll see the same. I'm sure we'll see some loan players in. Before in so, does anybody know where Moses actually currently is? Because you know, I mean, he was the one that has been definitely going to well, sign. I'm afraid, ha- besides stalking, doesn't doesn't know. Right, right, okay, I'd be yeah. interested to know. I'd be interested to know whether he's in Yorkshire. I'm sorry, in Humberside. I know the besides information flow has been pretty spot on during the summer, but we haven't we haven't actually resorted to stalking players around. I mean, actually talking about the loan window and timing and whether these deals have happened earlier. Um, Chris Long um, has obviously gone to Burnley now. Um, he would have been very much on our radar, Mark. So, is that is that is that something where timing's kind of uh, we all, you know it's gone against us? Yeah, possibly. I, th- I think I think Long would have been an absolutely perfect signing for us. I, I would have loved to have seen him come here because I think he's just the type of player. He's a goal scorer, and he's just the type of player that we, we could have done with. I think that I think the difficulty with with loans as well is going back to to, to what was just being said about um, perhaps not, Warburton not being here and having a, a, a new coach, perhaps an unknown coaching. I think the other issue as well is that a lot of Premiership clubs we know if they're going to loan someone out, they want some sort of assurance that that player is going to get regular football. And I think there was a you'd have stood a really good chance. I think Warburton would have been prepared to give that sort of 
not guarantee, but more of an assurance um, that somebody would get regular football than maybe they would get now. So uh, that, that does concern me a little bit, that I think somebody, a, a Tottenham or an Arsenal, looking to loan a player out now, looking for that player to have regular game time, may not be able to get that, that assurance. Particularly if, if Dijkhausen ends up with, as was promised to him, a bigger squad and he talks about rotation, that may be an issue. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, actually, because uh, with that bomb gone to, uh, it went to Hull, didn't he? And I mean, you know, you wonder whether actually why they need Gray if they've got up bomb, because I mean, it strikes me as that they're two similar players, or am I mistaken in that? It's funny that Arsenal, then, you know, they've used that bomb and they used Terrell in, in a lot of their pre season games, and then it gets to the season and they, they're, they're, they're shipped up somewhere. Oh, we'd like to have Terrell back. I, no, I mean, he's, he's gone to Birmingham. He's, he's gone away, sorry. Um, Birmingham, sorry. Yeah. I'm only thought about loans, just, just thinking there, is it's quite weird how we still talk about loans as a short-term option, whereas some of the year-long loan players are actually here longer now than the permanent ones. Yeah. We're getting these guys in on three, four-year contracts and they're potentially buggering off after one. So, you know, some of these players aren't going to be there any longer than the Pritchards in yeah. this world. So, it's, yeah. you know, it's maybe just the way that it's going. And, yeah. Yeah, things are seasonal. Contracts, yeah, contract, than, football contracts aren't so, worth the paper you know, they're written. Loans aren't quite the, the alternative yeah. radical solution that they used to be. So when the fixture list came out at the start of the season, there was, there was pretty much two that we were looking for, first and foremost. Fulham home and away, QPR home and away. QPR at home, it's been pulled. It's not on a Saturday at three o'clock. Um, no one really seems to know or believe um, why the game has been pulled. Matt, why is there so much confusion over this, my friend? I, I don't know. I'm just one. You, we, we, there's all sorts of things, stewarding or whatever, at Twickenham. Um, I just wonder if it's to do with who's going to show this. Who, you know, what game Sky is showing on TV that weekend, and to do with whether teams are still in the Carling Cup or not. So you think when the fixtures originally came out and the clubs both had the fixtures, the police have seen the fixtures, obviously the TV company has seen the fixtures, at the time they didn't really want it and now all of a sudden they've realised it's a West London derby and they might want to show it and it's, it's led to confusion. I, I, I wonder if that actually there's, there's more than one game they want to show on a Friday night and they don't know who's going to be in the Carling Cup. I'm not, I, I'm not defend, I'm not, that's not a defence of it. But I just wonder if we're caught in some sort of weirdness. I mean, nobody wants to say why, which seems a bit. Let's not get carried away with this. Football, the Premiership and the Championship, and to a lesser extent, Leagues 1 and 2, is dominated by Sky's money. And if we are prepared to be Sky subscribers, which I for one am, and I think most of the people around this table are. We are going to have to accept that Sky are going to say, we want that fixture, you are going to move your game to them. Fine, okay, that's what happens. If you're going to be honest about it, just cancel your Sky subscription. No, don't go, no, no, don't no, go no, to the no, pub no. to watch the Sky game. No, games, no, no, you know, no, no. None of this no, sort of no, stuff. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. You, just, you just get the, the statement that comes out of the club just says that. I mean, just say it. I mean, I mean, just say it as it is. And if you if you, if you like it, you like it. And if you lump it, you lump it. That's don't, that's a separate matter about do, the communication do and the way not, things are communicated. Do not try and come up with some wishy-washy excuse that isn't watertight and expect people just... Uh, if it was Bristol City at home, no one would give a monkey's. True. I think the, the problem is the comms, um, whatever you say, I'm not giving up men and motors for anybody. 
but the, the, I think the club are quite happy to, to, to use the fact that the World Cup final is on that day and I think that's a complete red herring yeah, unless, unless Brentford or Rangers are in the World Cup final at Twickenham you know, that, that's the nonsense and I think there's a little bit of convenience there that it's being kind of left the reason is clearly not that um, yeah. it seems to be to do with Sky and I, I'm, I'm with Dave on this one I think just come out and say that's how it is. Uh, the, the secrecy just makes people think there's something going on. I don't really think there is. I think it's that simple. The industry I come from, you should always be upfront and honest because in the end, the lie is discovered. And I suggest that's probably what's happening now. Mark, when was the last time you lied and got found out? That <laughs> 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 was I getting ready for a real sensible answer there. <laughs> <laughs> no, at, at, at the end of the day, we all want to see Brentford QPR on a Saturday afternoon. I couldn't really care less about what else is going on. If it's not on a Saturday afternoon, people are going to be upset. It, it's end the, of story. It's the game. It's the game. You know, everyone's going, oh, it's your cup final. It is our cup final. No, 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 no. Shut up. It's the game we all want to see. It is the game we all want to see. It is the game we all want to see. It is a game we would prefer not to be played at lunchtime because we are bloody useless when it comes so, to lunchtime. Yeah, lunchtime kickoffs. That. That's lots of so, I would hopefully it would be an evening evening kickoff because we sound better. But for God's sake, don't build up QPR to be our cup final. QPR are a third-rate team who are this year going to get relegated to Division One. Oh, yeah. If, we, if, we're gonna be, if we are, it's not our cup. cup to be honest, it is, not, to be it is not our cup final. Well, mm, well, it's it is the, it's clearly the game that we're looking forward to. The Do most, not give so. Rangers fans the satisfaction of thinking we are their cup final. Rangers are a minor team in West London on their way down to Division One. And there we were out of the league. There we were. We are honesty we are and transparency. <laughs> and now you're taking your bullshit pill. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Moving on. One of the players that looks like they are definitely staying um, is Harley Dean. And not only is he staying, he's, it would appear he's, he's worn the club captain's armband in, in pretty much all the, all the friendlies so far. Um, what's your thoughts on the, uh, the armband, Matt? Um, I Personally, I, I'm not... I, I don't think of it as being the same as cricket. I... I yeah, you name a captain before a game, but I'm I'm not convinced you need to announce the club captain um, and then stick with that player throughout the season. I think I, I, not so much at Brentford in recent years, but there are, there are certain cases where someone's been made a captain and it puts you know I can think of Gerrard playing for England especially. In fact, I can think of most of the, the last lot of England captains where there's been a pressure then to play the captain who probably hasn't been the best player in that position to play. Well, well, um, so, I, I, I'm, I, do you know what? I, it's something I don't worry about. But Make someone Harley, captain on the day. Harley good captain? He might be. He might not be. Um, but I wouldn't announce him as club captain. But then I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give you an option as club captain. Make him captain for the first game. Per- personally, personally, I was expecting Bielen to be be the captain he, he seems to be the, the experienced defender I think you know, is, that, is that something you were looking at Mark? Yeah I, I think you would have assumed he'd be the obvious choice but I, I, I tend to agree with Matt really I, I'm not sure that the uh, captain is particularly important in modern day football I think it depends what a manager wants if a, Kevin O'Connor was captain for the last few years because he, he was I think seen as being someone who represented the club well off the pitch I, I'm not sure there's a need for that type of character I think Commander wants a, a bit of a, a baller and a shouter on the pitch, then probably Harley Dean's the obvious candidate. But 
I, 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 it's not an issue that particularly worries me, to be I, honest. I'd also say this may be an opportunity that they're trying to give Harley Dean to step up, um, you know, and give him a bit of responsibility. And maybe that's the idea of making him captain. That's been done many times before with players. So, yeah, maybe that's Strategic a... captain armband placements, Dutchman. Oh, lose a beard, gain an armband, seems a strategy. <laughs> um, which has worked well for Harley. I, mean, I, I could only get go on the Stoke game. I thought Harley had a decent game against Stoke, and clearly there's some. On his day, he's a very different type of centre half than the ones he's played with. I've never really understood when club captain and team captain came two different roles. It's a better job creation. You know, one seems to be someone who doesn't play him. One seems to be someone who does, and I think the one that does play is probably that's point. That's that's a different person potentially every game. I mean, having the armband of the team captain, if that's what it's called, shouldn't guarantee you a place in the team. And I think that's where, you know, if you rotate the squad, if you've got five centre halves, that's where it becomes a bit strange potentially to, to nominate someone. I'm not sure we have nominated anyone officially, as far as I know. It's just a friendly bit. So if, if it gives Harley extra responsibility, and he, is it? So he you're saying that it, it could be a bit of an olive branch. I think. You know, if Harley's responded, I think he was a player we had really, really high hopes for, and perhaps a few people lost faith in him over the, you know, with, with a few of the errors that were made and stuff. But I think in general, if, he, if, it, if it helps him improve as a player and leads from back, I'm not sure he is the shout for the ball, but I think his size and physicality and kind of general demeanour probably make him more of a captain. And I'm not sure he's a massive shout on the pitch. The new guys again, I don't know. There seems to be some obvious choices based on their international experience to date, and I'm sure over time, if that's the case, then they'll. They'll become a team captain. <coughs> Some people might say that he shouted uh, last season at other players for mistakes that were his mistakes. However, 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 I am actually a, more of a traditionalist than other people around this table. And I actually do think you need a leader that represents the club on and off the field. And I think you need one player who is prepared to stand up in the dressing room and, you know, is the, the, the person, the man to whom the communication is made with. And if, as we are led to believe, this season, you know, there will be people upstairs in, in gantries and upstairs in directing boxes sending down messages to the manager who then needs to relay them on Gantries to, uh, or pantries? Gantries, who then needs to relay them onto the field. I think you need to be clear that there's one person who you go to who can understand clearly and has a good relationship with the manager to impart that message to the rest of the team. Whether Harley Dean is that person, I wouldn't know. I think it probably needs somebody level-headed with a sense of experience and being able to communicate to the rest of the team what is going on. So, so I do actually think that we do need a captain named now and who will be somebody who will be regularly on, on so the field. Just one interesting point, if I may, on that, just to say... I don't disagree with, with most of that, but for whatever reason, Mariners has chosen Harley Dean. So whatever he's seen in him, you know, he's there as a new manager coming in with no baggage or no history, or whatever he's seen over. No, the, he came in with baggage. Know, a few. He must have brought a few bags of duty free. But yeah, you know, he's whatever he's seen in the first few weeks of his time at the club, he's making that decision, which was an unexpected one. So something must have made him think that that's that's the right choice. It's a new season. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. You know, we start from here. You know. I guess with your theory, Nick, of, 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 of the message getting to the player and then getting to the rest of the players, Button won't be captain 
and it'd be like Chinese whispers amongst the players to get it to buttons and then be sent back out again. I mean, I personally, you know, don't think there's any harm in giving Harley the uh, the armband. He's got the stature. He's certainly got the confidence. Um, if it helps him iron out a couple of flaws in his game with the responsibility, I don't think any any harm can come of it. Um, if it helps him focus on remaining a Brentford player, um, he's, he's, he's clearly got the potential, as I said. Um, I, I, I honestly think that Bielend will be more of a captain in the, in the long term. He's got that international pedigree that you know he travels home and away with his country. I, I don't think you can replace that kind of experience. The one thing I would say is that Harley Dean looks up to John Terry, and John Terry, whether or not leave aside all his personality flaws and, and everything about him you can't fault John Terry's leadership as a captain at Chelsea and if Harley Dean was to be half the captain of Brentford that John Terry was of Chelsea we'd be doing pretty well I reckon What's interesting though is that what I read was that um, the captain at Chelsea has decided on who has played most games for Chelsea which happens to be John Terry I, I know that sounds ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ
um, in the playoff final because we, that was what we'd really hoped for. Um, coming into the pre-season in terms of how things have gone um, really since everyone's got back from their holiday, um, we've strengthened greatly, particularly up front. We've got two really good wingers, Ainsley Maitland and Niles on loan from Arsenal, who's a very strong athletic Wolves type player, if I can describe him as that. And on loan as part of the Tyrone Mings deal, we have got in, um, Ryan Fraser, who's a really nippy left winger. And, and Brett Pittman is a huge bonus to us, an absolutely lethal striker. So really our strengthening has been up front. The one defender we've brought in to replace Tyrone is the, the Great Dane, Jonas Knudsen. He's quite a feisty left back and he is, um, he's, his special trick at, in games is a really lethal, left, um, a really lethal um, throw in which has been compared to that of Rory Delap. So um, no doubt Brentford will have had to do their homework on that one. But um, he's, um, we've, got, we've got high hopes for him, and it certainly helps stabilise the back four. Which is interesting. I mean, you've got a Rory Delap inside there. You've bought these players, but you failed to mention one player you bought in, a player who was at Griffin Park about two days ago, Jonathan Douglas. Douglas is, Douglas is a very useful addition. Our midfield has been quite settled, but we have lacked a certain dynamism going forward. Teddy Bishop is a very exciting attacking midfielder. He's quite young and he runs up defenders, but we don't think he has the legs in him for a full season. And I could see Mick using him and Jonathan Douglas between the two of them. They will probably make up a place in the team, depending on what is needed, because Mick is a very good tactician and he will deploy a player to use a specific role. But on the whole, Ipswich fans are really delighted to see him arrive at, at, at Portman Road. And um, I can see him being playing a really useful role in the wider squad. I'm not sure he'd start in the team, but having said that, he, will probably, he could well force himself into the, into the starting lineup on a regular basis. So, so listen, interesting. Last season, I've got to put it straight, Ipswich, wicked. When you came out to Griffin Park and you played us pretty much off the park that day, you were fantastic, really good. Went up on Portman Road, not so good, but we got a draw out of there and I think you were fairly happy with that result. Better this season or not as good? How do you reckon? I think we're stronger. Um, Whisper it quietly. We're all, everyone is saying playoffs is a power result and if we can get to the playoffs again, we feel we have strengthened. Um, I think, though, a lot of other teams in the league have strengthened. Last year, teams like Cardiff, um, even Reading, I would say, were going through big transitions. And a lot of managers have now had first pre-seasons. So I have a feeling this, this year the league will be a lot tougher. But I do feel we have pushed on in areas where we were weak. Our defence is probably comparable to last year, though we will miss Mings. But I think certainly we now have width and we have more dynamism. And Mick has had a knack of getting promoted in his third full season in the championship in, in the past with teams. There's a sense within the club that this year will be the big push, um, that we're ready for it now. Whereas I think even last year, might be, it might have been a little bit previous. It might have been the season too soon if we had managed somehow to, to get through. So we are quietly confident, but we, we're trying not to get ahead of ourselves. And you know, let's keep perspective. Let's not assume anything for now. There's 46 long games to go starting at Griffin Park on Saturday. Indeed. And uh, talk about the game on Saturday. I'm, I'm going to ask you about your result, but as even as we're talking, sort of news has come in that Hull seem to have bid not only for Moses Adebarju, but for Andre Gray as well. And they've upped their bid, which is quite a high number. And the question I'm asking is whether or not Andre Gray will actually be playing on Saturday. And if he isn't, that's good news for you boys, isn't it? Well, it is. Um, 
before the game, I, at the, at the, when the fixtures came out in June, I felt this was one all. The way our preseason has gone, we've been scoring goals, but we've also been shipping them. And I would have had Andre Gray as a nailed-on one-goal man tomorrow or on at the, on Saturday, um, and um, so him missing is I would say that is really a significant blow. It really is um, because he's he he really is a standout striker for for, for Brentford. Um, um, it'll be interesting to see if that does go through. But him missing, I think, is the equivalent of a goal, um, just as Jordan Rhodes missing for Blackburn is often the equivalent of a goal. Yeah, well, we're going to keep away from our end. I've got to keep our fingers crossed because hopefully, you know, Hull have put the bid in, but we could still hold our ground out and still hold on to that player who's really crucial to our plans. Just finally, Harry, give us a score prediction for Saturday. Um, with Andre Gray, I would say two all because he will score against us and we have a defensive rick in us. If without Andre Gray, um, as you've thrown that curveball in, I would probably. I'm, I'm very nervous about predicting an Ipswich win, but I, I would I would fancy our chances because he he would he will hurt teams, no question. Give us so, a score. Um, let's well, <laughs> let's say a, no. Let's stick with a draw. I'm not getting ahead of myself here. Uh, okay, myself. I'll be happy. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a score draw. No question. I'll be happy with that draw as well, Harry. But listen, Harry, lovely chatting to you. Hopefully. We can get the result that we both want. We'll be smiling at the end of the day. Well, actually, I hope I'm smiling. And uh, I'll catch up to you afterwards. Okay, Billy. Really look forward to it. Nice one, mate. Cheers. First game of the season. Sunny day. It's going to be. It might not be. It is going to be sunny up here. Perfect pitch. It may not be. Um, I got cut up against Stoke, apparently. But, um, you know, uh, it'll, be, it'll be rectified. Ipswich... At Griffin Park, that's a pretty good opening day fixture. Um, they turned us over big time at our place on Boxing Day. We went and survived at Portman Road um, towards the middle of the tail end of last season. What are you expecting on Saturday, Nick, um, and the return of Jonathan Douglas? Jonathan Douglas. Well, I don't, I don't think Jonathan Douglas is likely to start, so <clears throat> let's let's get him out of the way. And I would be surprised actually if he if he comes onto the pitch at all, um, given that he hasn't had much of a pre-season. And um, Mick McCarthy, you know, would be uh, would be teasing us were he to send him on. Um, Ipswich, they looked good last season. They've lost uh, they've lost some good players um, um, over the break. Um, what are we going to do? I predict a one-on draw. The Dutchman. Yeah, looking forward to it. New season. Jonathan Douglas is a bit of a bit of a side distraction, really. We'll probably talk a little bit more about him at the end about what he did for us. But in terms of Saturday, I don't think there's much of a relevance there. Interesting to see on you know their website people slating the, the signings that Ipswich have made and lack of ambition and buying players like Douglas from us, which is you know, which is the other side of the coin. In terms for us, I still think our starting lineup, regardless of the shenanigans that may or may not be going on, will be a strong one. We've got at home a comfortable one-one draw. Matt, do you think um, Jonathan Douglas will be speaking to uh, Marinette Stokhausen? Apparently, they've not spoken up until this point. That can't be true, can it? it that, did, that surfaced in, a, in some in a news article somewhere, didn't it? Um, which 
sounds unlikely because I think he was you, Nick. You were at Bournemouth. Was he captain at Bournemouth? Yeah, he was captain at Bournemouth. He played. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Were they yeah, texting? Yeah. Were they maybe? Maybe they were doing like hand like it was signing. Yeah, maybe. Ah, now that explains that those flags that were being waved, <laughs> semaphore, the touchline, semaphore. That's r- ah, now it all falls into those, place. Those hand gestures that were being. Uh, made it must have been. A, it must have been a long holiday as well in Portugal. The old Irish <laughs> hand gesture. <laughs> if they if they hadn't if they didn't speak to each other so, during yeah, that so holiday, I don't... Mark, they went on they went on preseason tour together. Um, he was captain at Boreham Wood. Yep. Um, he played a couple of preseason friendlies. So how come this rumours happened that they they haven't spoken? Well, they were in Portugal for was it ten days? Yeah. Can't really see how they'd have survived ten days without speaking to each other. Maybe he was like a beardy soul. Uh, possibly. Um, but no, I, I think a lot's been I think a lot's been made of that. I think um, I, I, I I just don't I don't see any any, any real truth in that in that rumour at all. Um, I, I I I think. I think as far as Saturday is concerned, I think um, we know what we're going to get from, from Ipswich, but we're going to have a strong team out, a really strong team, and I, and I will be disappointed not to, to get a decent result. I think we stand a good chance of, of winning. Two teams that lost in the playoffs last year, um, but I think that we've got a strong enough team to get something out of the game. Yeah, I'm very positive about Saturday, if I'm really honest with you. Um, it, won't, it won't be great if we lose Moses, it won't be great if we lose Andre Gray. Um, I just, I just really think if, if any, if there's one game in the season where you just come out of the traps and you actually go for it, it's the first game of the season. Yeah. Um, and you know, Ipswich, they, 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 they their, their end of the season was arguably a little bit more, a little bit more um, painful than ours because they, they lost to fierce local rivals in Norwich, and you know, ours was, ours wasn't a brilliant end. You know, the losing up, losing up at Middlesbrough. The, the actual no, the last fifty no, the last fifteen minutes no one can ever take that away from us that singing, um, but I'm, I'm I'm really confident against Ipswich you know it's, 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 we're going to win aren't we Matt? We are we're going to win. All right, we are we are we are. I think it's going to be physical, um, and um, we need we're we're going to have to sort of you know with some of these new signings they they might this might be quite a, a rude awakening to the championship. Um, my a friend of mine who's an Ipswich supporter the most. But their new, the new signings. The one he's most excited about is because it's the new Rory Delap. He's a he's a left back from Denmark, I think, um, who can who's got an amazing throw on him. Um, this sounds like Mick McCarthy. So there's a chance that there's going to be more Danish players on the pitch on Saturday than British players. Well, Martin, what's the, what's, either, the, what's yeah. the best rude awakening you've ever had? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, he can answer that question on my behalf. <laughs> I, 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 I am. He can talk about but he can answer on my behalf. Oh, he's lost one. Oh, he's lost one. Go. Tell us, talk about strikers. No, 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 no. no. Okay. But no, I'm, I'm just thinking about Danish players. But you know, VB will know how to. VB will know how to cope with the Danish, Danish long throws. Yeah. I, I think one thing I did muse was as long as this guy with this long throw can't reach the far post, Douglas comes on with the last ten minutes and climbs all over Bidwell. And the important, the important thing is the result. I, I, and I'll stick with my one-one result on uh, on Saturday. I think Tuesday night, though, the Oxford game as well. That that's important. Um, 
if we don't beat Oxford, there will start to be some murmurings from, from the terraces and from the new road. Oh, we're not going there. Not well, people. no, let's let's be realistic about this. We have got to be we have got to be patient. This is a you know, it's gonna be it's a long haul. Yeah, no, I agree with that. We have yeah. to be patient. This isn't about necessarily this year, this is probably it might be about next year. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that over the course of the season in the coming weeks well I'd like, like to be first Mark it, to wrap up the first visits to Besotted Towers give us a prediction for Saturday my prediction for Saturday is I think we'll win I, I, I'm confident we'll win I think that the thing about it is we know what to expect from Ipswich they don't really know what to expect from us not we no we don't and I think had, you know had had we not changed the, the, the manager at the end of last season, everyone would have known what to expect from us. We don't really know exactly what we're going to say. So there's a little bit of a joke we can chuck in there. Yeah, possibly. And I think, but I think we know what Mick McCarthy's all about. We know what his team's going to, going to do. I think we'll win it. Give us a score. Uh, 3-1. Matt? Ooh. I think it's going to be a battle. Um, I'm going to go 1-1. Dutchman? Yeah, I've gone for 1-1 earlier, so I look stupid if I say anything other than 1-1. So... 2-1 Brentford I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with one all and Vibe to score the winner oh, that's score that many points yeah we're going to fall out over this vibe um, I'm going Brentford 3 Ipswich 1 um, Billy he's not here so who cares he'll, he'll be going for 5 nil Brentford yeah anyway missed you Bill um, you'll be there in spirit on Saturday we'll be there in, in person on Saturday um, I can't wait to get the season up and running again um, hope you enjoyed the Besotted podcast the first of the new season um, follow us on besotted.co.uk which is the website at besotted which is the Twitter account and um, the other place is Besotted1992, which is the Yahoo and the YouTube account. So um, we'll see you next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.